Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Thank you. Those songs were um, my life. <laughs> I, I was really blessed. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's good to be with you. Um, I want to thank Pastor Tony and Patsy for having me share with you tonight. Uh, it's, it's an awesome responsibility when your pastors are not here uh, to turn over the pulpit to someone, and I just appreciate that they trust me and, and love me that I can do that. Um, I feel almost like you're becoming my second family those of you that haven't met me before, this is my third year here, and it's just been such an honor and a blessing to serve Rama Australia. So thank you. I also wanted to thank you. I don't, yeah, he has the picture there. These are some of the mountains of Nepal. Um, I was in Papua New Guinea, as some of you know, before coming here, and they talked about the mountains there. But they don't really have mountains there. <laughs> They're hills. <laughs> These are mountains. <laughs> um, and I know that um, during the, the earthquake that many of you here were praying for me, and I want to thank you for that um, because that was something to, to go through. So thank you very much for those of you that prayed for us and for the Nepali people during that time. Um, I've been in constant contact with all of them um, since um, the first quake, which was on April 25th. I'll just give you a recap about all of that. Is that okay? Um, it's not really part of my message, but I, I know you're with me with that. So let me just share a little bit about that. Um, the earthquake, something's not right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, the earthquake, the first earthquake hit on um, April 25th, uh, about noon, which is a Saturday. Uh, and in Nepal, um, Saturday is our church day. Not for any religious reason, it's just when the church began in Nepal back in the 1950s, uh, that was the only holiday that the work people had was Saturday. So the pastors decided that would be church day. And we've had church on Saturdays ever since. Um, so everybody that were Christians, almost all of them, were in church when that first quake hit. Um, and there was one lady that um, shared afterward, she said when it hit, she thought it was like the day of Pentecost. <laughs> she thought the Holy Spirit was actually shaking the building. Um, and it wasn't until she went outside and the quakes continued and the tremors continued that she realized it was an actual physical thing that was happening. Um, so between that time, April 25th, and today, there have been over 200 other earthquakes. Um, they call them tremors or aftershocks, um, but to me, a 6.3 is an earthquake. <laughs> it's more than just a tremor or an aftershock. So that continued um, throughout May and, and here into June. Um, it's getting back to normal. Um, I'm 
I got an email today from one of my closest friends there, and she said in the last few days they haven't had any tremors. So life is returning basically to a new normal for people. But having said that, thousands of people did go on. Um, some of them um, have been injured. Thousands have been injured. They estimate about 10,000 died, and um, who knows how many thousands were injured. Over a half a million homes were completely destroyed, um, including mine. <laughs> so when I go back, that's one of the first things I do is look for a new house to live in, which is fine. God provides all the time, amen? So I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. God's going to give me the best. I know that when I return. Um, before I give my message today, um, I do want to let you know I have some brochures for those of you that would like to, to partner with us in prayer or in support. You can get one of those after the service from me. Um, I can always use more prayer. Uh, missionaries live on prayer. I can survive without the money, but I need the prayer. <laughs> so I really am always looking for new prayer partners. And um, I just thought of another story that that I shared in the Bible school last week. Um, there was a woman that was brought out from the rubble. She'd been underneath a building for about three days. Uh, quite an elderly woman. And she lost pretty much her whole family, her son and daughter and most of her grandkids. But she and one grandchild survived. And when they pulled her out, both of her arms were broken, one of her legs, her pelvis, just about every bone in her body was crushed. But you know, when they pulled her out, she said from her mouth, every bone may be broken, but my mouth is not broken. I shall declare the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she said, as long as I have breath, I will declare him. And I thought, what a testimony, you know, for somebody who really went through life and death, that, that's how she came out of it, saying, I will praise the Lord. And we've seen that all over that nation. We've seen um, believers especially rising up strong, shining forth his love and his light, like never before, honestly. I believe what the devil meant for evil, God has turned for good. And, and the people there, the light of the Christians is shining forth so strong there is such a contrast between the Christians and the non-Christians. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. We as believers must shine forth the light of Jesus. Amen? We should be different from the world in our lives so that when people look at us, they see something different in us. And that opens up a door of opportunity for us to share with them the love of Jesus. So if you would, if you'd turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 46, I have several scriptures here that I'm just going to read out to you and, um, and just talk about a little bit, and then I'll get into the, the bulk of the message that I feel the Lord has for me to give you tonight. Psalm 46, in verse 1 and 2, it says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, 
though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I love this. He's our ever-present help in trouble. Have any of you here ever been in trouble? (laughs) You know, we all have in some way or fashion. And it says, he is our help, our refuge, our strength. And then it says, we will not fear. Amen. We will not fear. You see, when we have him as our refuge and strength, no matter what happens around us, no matter what the circumstances are around us, we do not fear because we trust him. And we know he's with us. And we have to know that in this day and age. Jesus is coming back, right? Before he comes back, a lot of things are going to happen in this earth. We have to be rooted and grounded in him, in our spirit man. Because when the attacks come, when when whatever life throws at you, whatever the devil throws at you, you need to be able to stand strong through it. And the only way you can do it is for him and he alone to be your refuge and strength. And that's, you know, I learned that in a valuable way through this whole earthquake business. Because when, when things are stripped from you, you know, when your house is gone, you realize, what do I have? You know what? Those things don't matter. All that matters is Jesus and people. And I remember um, right after the first one hit, I was actually on my way out the door. And when it hit, it threw me onto the ground. And you know, I, I kind of crouched with my, my hands over my head to protect my head from all the stuff that was falling. And then this dog that I was taking care of, this 200-pound, huge, super Labrador dog, lab, black lab, jumped on my back, like clinging to me. <laughs> Almost like, I don't know if it was afraid or if it was trying to protect me, to be honest with you. But... That dog was on my back, and I was just kneeling down on the ground, just calling out to the Lord. And the thought did occur to me, for just a split second, this thought came, wow, I'm going to go on to be with Jesus right now. And I cannot describe to you the peace of God that swamped my being just knowing I was going to be with him in an instant. And then I wasn't. (laughs) I was still here on earth. I got gypped again. (laughs) This is the second earthquake I've actually been through. I went through another one in the Philippines several years ago. But praise the Lord, you know, if your time's not up, it's not up, and you've got things to do. Amen? And so... But, but right after, you know, when the nerves kind of settled a little more, all I could think about, all I could think about was the people around me that did not know Jesus. None of my neighbors know the Lord, even though I've been sharing the gospel with them for years. Um, they're Hindu or Buddhist. And as I walked out of my gate, they were all gathered. There's an open, like, place in front of my gate, in front of my house, like a little park. They were all gathered there, cursing, screaming, yelling, crying, weeping. I got a glimpse of what hell is going to look like. And it wasn't pretty. 
And my heart broke because I thought, they don't know the peace of God like we know the peace of God, like we have to know the peace of God for this time in history. We have to know the peace of God. And, and I just thought, I, I can help them. I can help them. And, and that's what we proceeded to do, was to, to help them. But, you know, this, this rock-sure certainty, knowing Jesus, knowing that whatever happens around us, he is our rock. We have to know that. We have to know that. And, and sadly, they're not in this church, I don't believe this, but there are Christians out there that don't really know that. You know, um, and, and I'm just so blessed that people here do. Because you have to. You have to know that. Look at Psalm 112, verse 6 and 7. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Amen. You know, sometimes bad news comes. I remember years ago, I, I was blind for a season in one of my eyes. Um, I, I actually had surgery for it. I was believing God for a miracle. And then after the surgery, it got infected. And the eye doctor said, well, I'm sorry, but you'll be blind for the rest of your life. And at the time, I was working as a journalist, as a writer, and I thought, I can't be blind. I have to be able to see to be able to read. <laughs> and I didn't know Braille, and so I'm like, I cannot be blind. And so for the next several weeks, I just laid there and I listened to healing scriptures. I read healing scriptures. I, I just immersed myself in the healing scriptures of God. I had read them before. I had known them before. But you know, when you're in the midst of a crisis like that, then you have to know that you know them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has to be in you really in you so that you have ammunition to fight the enemy. And so I, I just remember that, you know, that news when that doctor said to me, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. You will not be able to see. And I, and I just remember thinking, no, 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 no. That is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> I have to have my sight. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, if any bad news comes at you, either from a doctor or from the radio or the TV or from a neighbor or a friend or a family member, you can walk through it with no fear. You can walk through it victoriously. Why? Because Jesus said that we were to reign in life. Amen? And so, you know, these verses that I'm sharing with you, I'm just giving these verses to you to kind of I guess, shore up the, the foundations a little, you know, so that no matter what the news may be, you know that you know that you know that your God is your refuge and strength. Turn with me to Psalm 63, verse 8. <clears throat> 
My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I love that verse. You know, that word cling, it's like super glue. My soul clings to God. That's what will get you through, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. If your soul clings to him like super glue, praise the Lord, no bad news can get you down. No bad news can put you under, because you know he's your rock. You know that he's there for you. Look at Psalm 62. You're right there in 63. Look at 62. My soul finds rest in God alone. I love that. In God alone. We can't find rest in things or in other people. Um, You know, I tried that for many years. I didn't meet the Lord until I was in my 20s. Um, I, the... You know, Sister Patsy wanted me to title this message from, ha- from heroin to the Himalayas. <laughs> and I told her, I said, well, that would be nice, but I never actually did heroin. <laughs> did every other kind of drug out there, but not that particular one. <laughs> and so then we came up with this other title. But the, the thing is, I clinged to everything else that the world had to offer, and it didn't satisfy it will never satisfy. And so this verse where it says, I, I'm with him alone, that's important, you know, that we don't allow the other things to pull us away from him alone. It says, I, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress I will never be shaken. Say that with me. I will never be shaken. (laughs) Never. Never, never, never. It's a strong verse. This is what it means to reign in life. You know, we hear that a lot, that we were created to reign in this life. And that's what these verses are all about. It's, It's realizing that you know, victory doesn't mean that there may not be bad circumstances happen. I mean, I never expected an earthquake, right? I wouldn't have dreamed or prayed for that. But when the bad circumstances happen and you walk through it with victory, that's reigning in life. And so no matter what life throws at you, you can walk through it with victory. Victory is not being shaken. Not being shaken is the victory that we have in Christ. And so I I just wanted to share with you um, these verses and just encourage you to really, really cling to Jesus alone. And whatever may be out there distracting you from that, make the decision to turn away from it. And for different people, that's different things. And, and if you cling to him alone, alone, nothing else, just Jesus, let me tell you, your life will be so blessed. So blessed. That's what he has for us, each and every one of us. And um, Adam, if you could show, show this first uh, picture here. I wanted to talk to you about... Um, three different kinds of Christians that we have in life. 
Uh, it's coming up here pretty soon, I think. Um, so how do we reign? You know, how do we know that Jesus always has our back? How do we really reign in life? So the different kinds of Christians we have here, some people are what I call caterpillar Christians. Okay, and what that means is it's those who kind of um, live in the earthly realm. Um, uh, the word you will often hear is carnal Christian, and I don't really care for that word carnal Christian because, you know, you can love Jesus and still have some areas that need to be cleaned up. You know what I'm saying? But if you've been a Christian for a while, it's time to make the right choices and to turn from those things. But these caterpillar Christians, what happens with them is they stay in the earthly realm. And what does that mean, the earthly realm, when I say that? It basically means that our worldview is looking at the physical. And we're not really recognizing that God is the God of the impossible. Amen? Can you say that with me? My God is the God of the impossible. But caterpillar Christians, they don't recognize that. They live in the earthly realm, completely influenced by what they see. We, we also call them roller coaster Christians, up one day, down the next, up one day, down the next. You know, ruled by that earthly realm. And as, if you're still in that earthly realm, you're not seated in heavenly places, that's when you don't really reign or, or live victoriously. And so, the, you know, these stages, being a caterpillar Christian, there's people who could be Christians for 60 years that don't get beyond this stage. Not because God doesn't want them to, but because of decisions we make. And, and that was, I mean, I wasn't even a caterpillar Christian. I was just a caterpillar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just ruled by the flesh, ruled by, um, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, you know, I was a hippie, um, I went to Woodstock, y'all, you've all heard of Woodstock, right? <laughs> I was there, um, I was ruled by fleshly desires, by sin, by whatever made me happy, you know, I think that generation, at some point in time, there was a term used calling it the me generation. And it really was. It was all about self. And so caterpillar Christians, there's a lot of self-absorption, <laughs> self-effort, um, um, not really keeping their eyes focused on Jesus, but just focused on your own needs. Um, and this is what... Um, caterpillar Christians do all the time. If we could show this little video here, um, this is what we see with caterpillar Christians. <laughs> they just eat, 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 and never stop. It's about fulfilling that need all the time. And these are the Christians that I sometimes hear say things like, well, you know, church doesn't really fill my needs. That's not the right question. The question should be, what can I do to fulfill the church's needs? Amen. Here and around the world. <laughs> and so Caterpillar Christians, they, they're just consumed with eating all the time <laughs> to stay alive. And so, you know, I don't... You're not a Caterpillar Christian, right? 
but maybe the person next to you is. I don't know. But we want to get beyond that stage in our walks with the Lord. Get beyond that caterpillar stage. So that if an earthquake happens and they pull you out, you're able to say, my mouth will still proclaim him. Hallelujah. You know, that's not a caterpillar Christian that says things like that. So we don't want to stay there. That's a very limited way of life for us. Um, letting those desires of the flesh continue to try to rule you. Um, Whatever it may be, it could be drinking, it could be sex, it could be drugs, it could be gambling. I don't know what it might be here in Australia, but whatever that might be that pulls you away from clinging to him, make the right choices so that that doesn't have a hold on you anymore, so it doesn't hold you in that earthly realm. And then um, we have the next stage of a Christian's life, and this is the cocoon stage, or the, the pupa stage, it's called. And when you look at that, you don't see a lot going on. Have any of you seen these in the natural um, before the butterfly breaks free? When you look at these um, cocoons or a pupa stage, you don't see anything, but there's a lot going on on the inside. And this is like a a newborn baby in Christ. Things are changing on the inside. You're being transformed on the inside. You're you're feeding in the word of God. You're praying. You're fellowshipping with him. And it's beginning to make changes in your life. But you don't want to stay there either. (laughs) When I first got saved, I was radically saved. Um, I was actually trying to commit suicide when I met Jesus. I had a really a Paul on the road to Damascus conversion experience. I was driving off of a mountain cliff trying to kill myself because I didn't see a reason to live. When you've been doing drugs for 10 years, you've lost hope. You've lost your purpose for life. And so I'm there trying to, to end my life and the, word, the last words that came out of my mouth were, God, just let me die, just let me die. And Jesus came and sat down in the car next to me. And he spoke to me. And he said to me, Deborah, I have stood at the door of your heart three other times before, and you have refused to let me in. Nobody knew about those times. Nobody. But he did. And when he said it, I knew exactly what he meant. It was like a like a movie theater, just very quickly, all three incidences played out in front of me. And one of those times, I was 18 years old. I was actually, I had been in a drug coma for about two and a half weeks, not expected to live. And, and I was, I can't explain it in natural words, but it's like I was caught up to heaven. And I heard the Lord's laughter And he said to me out of that laughter, he said, just wait and see. We are going to fool them all. (laughs) And I thought, how cool is that? You know, God is making a joke with me. But I was so rebellious when I came out of the coma and I was fine, not brain damaged like they said, and I'm not, despite what some people might say, I'm not. 
and I wasn't um, handicapped in any way. God just brought me out of it supernaturally. But I was so rebellious, I still wanted to do my own thing. And I did for several more years until that day when I'm trying to commit suicide. And there the Lord sat next to me, loved me. It didn't matter what I had done. He loved me just as I was. This drugged out hippie weirdo. He loved me. And that love just swamped me from head to toe. There was not one ounce of condemnation in that. It was this pure, holy, amazing love that I now want everybody to know because that's what changes you. And he spoke to me and he said, I will make your life beautiful if you will let me. And I went home and I got down on my knees and I said, okay, if you are really real, prove yourself to me as if he hadn't already done that. <laughs> but I was just so swamped with this life and I had been into so many weird things, I had to know that he was real. And so that night I went to bed and when I woke up the next morning, I was completely healed of a very serious blood disease. And when I woke up in the morning and I looked down at my legs and I saw normal legs with blood flowing, I knew that God had healed me. And then the other thing that happened as I went about the morning, um, I, I realized I hadn't done any drugs yet that morning. And I was so consumed with that, I had to do drugs just to wake up, just to get going. And I, and I walked back into the bedroom and I saw all my drug paraphernalia and I thought, I haven't done any drugs today. And I knew that God had healed me and delivered me from drugs and set me free. Glory to God. For a purpose. For a purpose. But when, I got, when that happened, and that was it, I, it was all over. I said, okay, I'm yours 100%. I'm all in. You're either all in or you're not in. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's no such thing as a nominal Christian. You're either in or out. And I was all in. I was like, okay, I'm yours. I'll follow you. What do you want me to do now? And I didn't know what to do because I didn't know any Christians. But I was out walking my dog. I passed a Christian bookstore. I'd been by that Christian bookstore hundreds of times, never saw it. You know, without Christ, we're blinded. That day I saw it, and there were all these Bibles sitting in the window, and I was standing there looking, thinking, huh, I bet that Bible would tell me about Jesus. The girl that worked in the store came out, and she said, can I help you? Now, I still look like a whacked-out, druggy weirdo. <laughs> and she came out, and she said, can I help you? And I said, well, yeah, I I'd like to um, buy a Bible. And she said, oh, well, come on in. And, and I said, well, I have my dog. And she said, no, no, you can come in. I went in, and she said, so what kind of Bible do you want? I didn't know there was more than one kind of Bible. You know, I mean, I grew up in a certain denomination with these huge Bibles that you put on the table and never opened. You know, that's the only Bible I knew. 
And so she said, what kind of Bible would you like? And she went like this, and the whole wall behind me, there were hundreds of Bibles. And I didn't know, I didn't know. I said, well, I don't know what kind of Bible I want. And she said, well, tell me, why, why do you want a Bible? And I said, well, um, I've met Jesus. Now, I, that may sound crazy to you all, but honestly, I had never met a Christian. And, and now I, I really had met Jesus, and he was real. And, I, and it was just like, for me, it was unbelievable. And I thought, do other people know this? That Jesus is really real? Do they know this? And so I said to her, I met Jesus. And she said, what do you mean you met Jesus? And I told her what I just told you. I told her the story of driving my car off the cliff and Jesus coming and sitting with me and talking to me. And um, she said, well, you've been born again. I said, what? She said, yeah, you've been born again. I said, what is that? And she took me through the Bible and basically showed me what I had done. And so from that day forward, I never doubted who Jesus was. I knew that I knew that I knew he was my Lord and Savior. But what I did with that Bible over the next three months, I just read it morning, noon, and night, 24 hours a day practically. I was barely sleeping. I was barely eating. All my friends thought I had cracked up. But for me, it was life. And I just began to read it and read it and read it. And you know, the Bible says that we are transformed by his word. And that's what happened to me. I came out of this stage, this caterpillar cocoon stage, and, and it became life to me. But during that period of time, I was basically just feeding myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want to stay here either. You know, you have to get to the point where you break free from that stage because once you break free from that, then you can fly. And when I say fly, I mean fly with Jesus, <laughs> with purpose in your life. Ephesians 2 says that he created us for good works before why don't you turn there and look at that? Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read it correctly to you. I love this verse. It says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So after that pupa stage, when you've been transformed, you're learning to turn from self to God you know, you're not self-absorbed anymore, but you're, you, you've turned, you've turned the corner. Then you begin to realize, wait a minute, God has a purpose for my life. God has a plan for my life. And that's where we need to be, is God, what is it you have for me to do in this world? Hallelujah. And you see, when we get to that point, and we're just open to what he says, that is when life gets very exciting. <laughs> and that's where the Lord wants us to live. 
He wants us to live in this position with him where we're just fulfilling what he wants done in this earth, where his love and his light is flowing through us in such a way that other people come to know that love that we now have. Amen? And so all of these stages that I'm talking about, these three stages, we go through those. Um, don't get stuck in any one of these stages. You know, break free so that you can truly fly with the purpose that God has for your life. You know, you have to be willing, and sometimes it may sound like a risk to let go of those things that are pulling you back. But you have to be willing to let go of that in order to fully fulfill what God has for you whatever that might be in your life. To say, Lord, it's you and you alone. What do you have for me to do in this earth? That's where we need to be. Because when we're there, nothing can hold us back from what God wants and how he wants to work through you. I just want to encourage you tonight, be all in for Jesus. Not half-hearted in any way, but 100% on board with what Jesus has for you. Amen? I remember, um, again, during those crazy days of my life before Christ, one of the truly bizarre things that I did for several years was jump out of airplanes. And I remember when I learned how to do this, the first four or five jumps that I did, um, because I, you know, I had taken the classes, I'd watched the videos, you know, I'd done everything. It was like rote, you know, and so I just jumped out of the plane, didn't even think about it. But you have what's called a static line. And so when you jump, that line is attached to the plane and it pulls your parachute out. Um, but after about the fifth or sixth jump, then you no longer have the static, static line, and you have to pull your own cord for your parachute to open. Um, and so I remember on that fifth jump, with no static line, holding on to the strut of the plane. Like you step out, and there's this step about this big that you kind of perch on, and you hold on, and then you have to break, you, you let go and you fall back. And I held on, and the thought came to me, what are you doing? <laughs> you are crazy. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and so I'm holding on, and I didn't want to let go. And one of the things that they would drum into you over and over and over again was, once you're out of the plane, you're out. There's no going back in, because you can put a lot of people at danger. And so I'm holding on for dear life. I'm like, I am not going to let go. This plane is going to land with me holding on to it because I am not letting go. And my jump master, he literally reached out and started pounding on my hands to get me to let go. And I was so angry at him. I mean, I'm looking at him like, no! And he's like, let go, Deborah. I'm like, no, let go! <laughs> And finally, he hit me so hard, I had no choice. <laughs> and then I flew. 
and I loved it. God wants you to let go of anything that would hold you back from what he really wants you to do on this earth to fulfill his purposes and his plans for the nations. Hallelujah. Let go. Whatever it may be that's holding you back, let it go so that you can truly walk in the freedom that God has for you, so that you can reign in this life. This is what people need. There's people all over this world. There's people here in Australia. They need Jesus. So we just have to let go and say, okay, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want with my life, I give it to you to use me as you will, as you please. Hallelujah. And when you do that, I tell you, it is an amazing life we can live. I, I became a Christian in 1976. I didn't go on to the mission field until 1983. And so I had seven years in my own country of sharing Jesus with people. And you couldn't shut me up. I mean, I, I, anything that moved, I was sharing about the love of Jesus. It was like, do you know Jesus is real? And this is what he can do for you. We need to have that excitement on the inside of us so that nobody can shut us up. Amen? Let's stand to our feet, and I'll wrap this up. Um, I just want to encourage you tonight. You know, I, I don't know where you're at with the Lord. Maybe some of you are here, you don't even know the Lord. You're still like, like the caterpillar. <laughs> but maybe you're in one of these other stages, whether it's the, the caterpillar Christian stage or the pupa stage, but God wants you to be in that last butterfly stage where you truly fly with him and what he has. So tonight, I'm just going to ask you um, if you would just make a commitment to him tonight and say, Lord, I'm all in for whatever you have. Can we do that? Can you just bow your heads for a moment? Let us just pray. Lord, I thank you for every single person here in this room. I thank you that you love them and you have a plan and a purpose for them. And if you're here tonight and you've never really asked Jesus to be your Lord or you've never fully surrendered your life, you can do that tonight. Is there anybody like that? I would like to pray for you. You can just raise your hand and say, that's me. I've never been all in. I've never really fully given my heart to the Lord. Is that anybody here? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is there anybody here you would say, you know, I've been kind of in that caterpillar stage in the earthly realms and I want to go higher with Jesus. I, I'm tired of, of letting the things of this earth get to me. <laughs> Is there anybody like that? Can I just be praying for you? Anybody? 
Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, I don't know God's plan. I don't know his purpose. But I want to know because I want to fulfill his plan in this earth. If that's you, you can pray for that tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, can you pray this out loud with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for saving me, for lifting me out of the earthly realms into a place in you, Lord. Lord, tonight, I come to you and I say I'm all in. A hundred percent, Jesus. I give you my life to have your way in me. Lord, have your way in me that I may fulfill your purposes. Lord, I want to be like Isaiah and say, Lord, here am I, send me. So tonight, Lord, I make that commitment to you. I consecrate my life to you anew this night. Thank you, Jesus, for your life flowing in me and through me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.